Irritaba, author of Ghost Squad and Witchlings. And I'm Kat Show, author of the Gumi Duology and Once Upon a K-Prom. And this is Ride or Die. Wee! Okay. Good. <laughs> we did it. We, we did the intro. I love how <laughs> See proud, you later, folks. <laughs> we get so proud just by doing the intro. <laughs> I mean, I told you a second before we did it that I literally forgot what the intro was. And Kat was like, it's just your name. It is. But it is. That should give you an idea of where I am mentally. It's, oh, oh, oh my gosh. Are you okay? <laughs> oh, <no. Yeah. laughs> you typed nonsense words in our shared document. No, I'll never know. My like, phone oh. my phone just fell onto my keyboard. That's why. Sorry. Rude. Um anyway, <laughs> we're we have off to a great start. Um, yeah <laughs> we're doing amazing everybody actually i i do feel like a little refreshed we just got back from highlights foundation yeah yeah that was really nice oh i i'm so glad we went i know you've been before for a workshop yes um this one was just us getting away with diverse voices incorporated committee to plan DVCon. 2022 um but yeah it was really nice to just like have a getaway that was like kind of local so it was safe and you know it was just a couple of us and we all like made sure that everyone was vaxxed and everything so it just was a nice relaxing getaway yeah it was it was it was really nice to be in nature if you haven't been to highlights um we, I definitely recommend it. It's, uh, it, the, there's like food, a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And it was good. Part. The food it was, was really, really good. good. We had like grilled cheese. We oh, had, um, so good. Really nice salads, a cheese platter. <laughs> a um, cheese platter. <laughs> yeah. Whatever those things are called. Um, what else did, we, we had a bunch of stuff. They um, had like pork chops one night. Yeah. Pork chops. Um, ooh, ooh stuffed bell breakfast. peppers. Yeah, those were really good. The The last breakfast was like scrambled eggs and really crispy bacon and blueberry pancakes. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's like, sna- like, <laughs> you don't go there just to eat, but like, it's like such a big draw for me because like, it's unlimited <laughs> snacks. Like basically, there are snacks everywhere and drinks everywhere. Mm-hmm. But then you're in the middle of this like beautiful, on this beautiful property that's just like nature and you can write and there's like rocking chairs and beautiful views and Mm -hmm. um it's very peaceful and quiet and uh, we were there working for dbcon but there were other writers there like on deadline or like finishing stuff or like Mm -hmm. for for their agents and other writers who didn't have agents yet like there was no workshops it was just like everybody there uh was just there to write and sort of socialize um Mm -hmm. so if anyone needs like a getaway and uh (laughs) In Pennsylvania for yeah. like a weekend or a week, we totally recommend highlights. It was very, very nice. Definitely. And I got a nice sweatshirt. Yes, you did get a very nice sweatshirt. It was very soft and comfy on the inside. Um, so yeah, that was that was nice. It was like it felt a little bit like self care. Um, honestly, like I was going back and forth right before because People might not know this about me because I seem so like social and everything, but I'm definitely an introvert. I'm just like a loud introvert. (laughs) 
So like I get stressed out about the idea of socializing with people, even if it's like my friend friends sometimes. So I and especially like the past two years, I've just been super, super cautious about should I go out? Is like, do I have to be doing this? Like, is this safe? Is this responsible? I really was like oscillating back and forth about going. And I'm really glad I did just because I need I didn't know I needed to get away until I was away. Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I too suffer from social anxiety, which is probably also a surprise for people. Um, I'm actually very extroverted, but I also like always think something bad's gonna happen. Aww. Um, my brain is like Final Destination. Uh, all the time. I could probably write one of those movies. Um, oh God. <laughs> anyway, um, but but same. Like it was. I I don't think I realized like how much. Because obviously we did a lot of work while we were there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like super tired when I got home. But there was also a lot of just like chatting and like during dinner and like Mm -hmm. after we finished working. um, There was like a lot of just friend time. um, And it was really, really nice to hang out and see people in like a small group Mm -hmm. in such a nice setting. Um, And it was just nice being face to face with people. I I feel like there's been so much talk of like burnout lately, right? There's been like articles and stuff like people are hitting walls and um, they're just like at the end of their rope because like, no, I don't think anybody thought that we would still be where we are right now. Right now. At this time. Yeah. Like right, like at this time, like last year, right? Mm -hmm. Like people were like, for sure by, you know, end of 2021, things won't be this way. And the fact that we're still sort of in this like, horrid limbo Mm -hmm. um it's really hard it's very hard not to feel hopeless um but we wanted to talk today a little bit about like if you're feeling like that if you're feeling like hopeless if you're feeling like nothing's ever going to get better like what are some of the things that we've done to feel better and like what are some of the things that we think you should do maybe and like and just like give you like a little pep talk because we feel like everyone needs that right now I agree yeah. I mean, I think we're all running on fumes, honestly. So many, there's so many people who are like at the end of their tether. This isn't normal. Functioning under such prolonged and chronic stress isn't normal. And I was actually just talking to one of our friends who is debuting at the beginning of 2022 um, because they were feeling really bad about like, not feeling excitement about everything going on around their book they're like but sometimes I'm just really tired that day or like I just am really stressed because I have to write my next book or like because I'm worried about this thing going on in the world so even though it's good news because I'm already in a stressed out like feeling I don't feel joy about it and then I feel guilty because like then it makes me feel like I'm not grateful for what I'm getting Um, and I know not everyone gets a lot of stuff for their books and so I was talking to them and I was like but you're judging yourself it's very clear that you're judging yourself in a pre-pandemic rubric like you're measuring mm-hmm. your enjoyment based on what you saw all of us go through because because in our friend group we have a decent amount of people who debuted before the pandemic mm-hmm. and so they're holding themselves up to this standard of what we were all doing 2019 and earlier and I was like that's really unfair to yourself to be doing that though Mm -hmm. like what you don't realize you're doing is that you think that like 
you're not you're not factoring in the fact that we're in a global panini and that you're exhausted and that you worry about your family's health all the time and you know those are things that like we didn't have to worry about in 2019 Mm, yeah so it's just it's really worth taking a step back and and being um giving yourself grace because i think one of the biggest things that i think a lot of writers are doing right now is they're they're being really hard on themselves. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's it's very it's a very hard sort of like um it's a hard thing to balance, right? Because like on the one hand, absolutely, you don't want to hold yourself to the same standards and like in you know, when people debuted like prior to 2020, there were a lot of other things that you guys got as outlets like mm-hmm. in-person events, like all these things and like after all those events, what's the first thing we do? We go out for dinner, yeah. right? And we chat and we decompress. And it's so cathartic to just like, it, it's just like, ah, oh, you know, like that feeling of like, we did it, right? Even if it wasn't your book deal, like it's your friends and you've watched them go through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then this is like the culmination of all of that. And for those of us who didn't debut, um, you know, in the before times, we didn't get that sort of like payoff. But I also want to encourage people to like dig deep inside of them and to look at new ways of celebrating things, right? Mm -hmm. Because right now it's a little bit different than when I debuted. When I debuted, like we weren't going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) No, we were not. I debuted in April 2020. We were in the house, okay? (laughs) Now I feel like there's a little bit more opportunity for doing stuff, especially if you're like in New York City, for example, where they require vaccination passports like – no matter where where you're going um all of those things not pat vaccination passports the little the the app the pass right mm-hmm. um so so but if you're not comfortable doing anything and and if you're still not you know you're not having an event at a bookstore um sort of like sit down and maybe like reflect on like why is it that I don't want to celebrate right because obviously if you're burnt out if it's something that you truly don't want to do then that's understandable you shouldn't do anything that, that you don't want to. But if it's because the celebration looks different than when you pictured, mm-hmm. I would still encourage you to try to still celebrate because mm-hmm. your your first book only comes out once. And trust me, it was not easy for me to be in a celebratory mood when I had worked for so many years and finally Ghost Squad comes out and it just felt like, just like super anticlimactic right but I push myself to like to like put on a cute outfit and do my hair and do my makeup and like Mm -hmm. still have an event and I made it fun for myself and the day of I had so much fun my launch event I'm not kidding was so super fun for me and I would have been really really I would have regretted not doing something looking back on it yeah so 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 I don't want anybody to like think I'm saying you have to do it or like force themselves, but like really consider it, like really consider it. And like, don't let the bitterness of like not being able to have what you pictured keep you from having anything at all. Yeah. It's the problem is, is like, I, I think that there seems to be, you feel like there's a disconnect because like, you're not seeing people's like physical faces Mm. as they're like enjoying your work or like celebrating you but that doesn't make their joy or in their excitement over your work any less real or valid um and I think that's really important like just because we're online doesn't mean we're fake 
right like we feel right. like robots out in the world but we're real people <laughs> yeah um yeah. and also i do i mean honestly i do think that like we should practice a little bit of shameless self-celebration yeah. too like i think we should do this all the time even after this is over you know when i first joined the writing community and started my author social media accounts one of the things that i was really like hesitant to do was like to talk about my work like it was great and mm -hmm. i was also really hesitant to post selfies of myself because i was like when someone posts a selfie of themselves that means that they think they look great and i thought of that as a negative thing and then becoming friends mm -hmm. with clarabelle and being able to see how they celebrated themselves when they felt they looked good i was like oh, well yeah yeah and i was like i never thought that the way you did it seemed fake or um or invalid or like weird or arrogant or anything like that all the things i was afraid i looked like when i did it and mm. i was like well if i can see clarabelle doing this and think like this is so cool why can't i think that for myself and i do get it i understand it's really hard for us to think the same way about ourselves as we do about our friends but i worked really hard to kind of reframe it and be like no i think i look cute today so i'm going to take a, po a selfie and post it on instagram and i think we should be doing be able to do stuff like that where we're shamelessly proud of ourselves even if it's like i had a good hair day you know yeah absolutely and it does make you feel better and also every time i post a selfie and like a friend or someone is like you look amazing i like am smiling so big i'm like it was worth it like i feel so good now you there is positive feedback mm -hmm. in these things that you think oh what's the point of doing it but then once you do it you know you'll get that yeah, for sure. And I think I had a therapist once who told me that, like, there's nothing wrong with getting some of your validation from social media. Mm -hmm. She's like, as long as it's not the only place and you're completely dependent on it to the point where, like, if you don't get likes on a picture, you spiral. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, she said, if it's if it's producing a positive feeling in you and positive sort of like actions, um then why is it bad? Yeah. And that always really stuck with me because we're taught the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that we're taught the opposite because, like, right, who's taking the most amount of selfies usually? It's usually, like, people who present as women or, like, gay men. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, like, when I'm old enough to remember when selfies started and when they <laughs> did, there was, like, a huge hate for selfies. Like, yeah. people were like, oh, I hate selfies. I hate girls who – that duck face. Like, it was all of these, like mm – -hmm. This like negative shit towards it that like always happens mm -hmm. whenever like whenever someone who looks like a woman presents as a woman is sort of like has like a crumb of self-esteem mm -hmm. or at least seems to. Um, so I'm really glad that like you were able to like overcome that like fear of other people's perception of you and just like do things that make you happy because like people are always going to talk shit no matter what you do that's yeah. like the worst part right yeah so might as well like enjoy yourself and like have a good time and don't like self-punish mm -hmm. for like benefit for the benefit of people who are never going to like you anyway yeah and are never going to accept you anyway yeah and it's really interesting too because I um I also was talking to my therapist about this and um just so people know like since we are talking about like burnout and self-care therapy is one of the best mm. if you can afford it I understand like healthcare system in America right. freaking sucks 
But yeah. if you're outside of America or if your health insurance covers it or if you can afford it or if there's a way to get for you to get access to it, then um, super duper encourage it. Don't don't let like your doubt and your like um, skepticism of, of therapy be the reason you don't get it. Um, yeah, because it's really, really helpful and it really does work. And so I was talking to my therapist about feeling guilty, about caring about people liking me like on social media and like caring about the pause about getting positive reactions to my work as opposed to just the work itself right I was doing that whole thing of being like it should just be about the art (laughs) um and she was like but why and she was like when you create you're creating for other people you're creating to make a reaction to other people to make people feel good to make people feel an emotion things like that and so because out the outside world world and the audience is innately involved in the act of creating art you pretending like you don't care what other people think of you and your art is um it rings false right Mm. and she's like i she was like i get it that it's kind of like a defense mechanism because like you're afraid of rejection that's part of it but like us feeling like we need to that we need to be like oh it's all about the art and not acknowledge that we do that we like it when people like our work is silly and so I think acknowledging that you want to celebrate because you want other people to come in and like be happy with you and to celebrate with you and to have these moments with even if it's just a couple of people a couple of friends don't feel bad that you want to celebrate yeah you know you should you you shouldn't feel bad you you should try to make it fun for yourself somehow yeah um and um another thing that I've been doing that's really been helpful is there's a lot of like people who are sort of like I've seen people say like things are never gonna go back to normal and I just have to accept that this is life I cannot read stuff like that because a it makes me really angry because it it, it is not true like we will get back to a a space where we're not like in our homes all the time Mm -hmm. or like like this will pass eventually Mm -hmm. and um when I see stuff like that I mute the person I unfollow them or I mute whoever retweeted it Mm -hmm. um even if it's something that I'm doing temporarily um you have every right to like cleanse your timeline at this point we know what we need to know of like what's going on like yeah like, look at the news or something like that but like once a week or whatever but you don't have to constantly be ingesting everything on twitter or on like any social media platform i feel like that's only going to make you um spiral more especially mm-hmm. if you're already having a hard time i feel like sometimes we do the endless scrolling thing looking for something to make us feel better when we're in a bad spot Mm -hmm. but the way things are right now a lot of people are very sort of desperate so there is a lot of like tweeting and posting in desperation yeah and um we can we can sort of infect one another with that with that feeling too and it's not helpful to anyone right because there are certain things that are out of our hands at this point. Like all we can do is keep trying our best and like hope for the best and like push our elected officials to keep doing the right thing or do the right thing for the first time in their lives. <laughs> and um, but we can't we can't make like the icky feelings of others go away. We can't make our own icky feelings go away. Um, we have to deal with them. We have to feel them. But like sort of like t- absorbing everyone else's 
horrible feelings and everyone else's like sadness all the time it, it can be super harmful especially if you're dealing with mental health issues yeah um so don't feel bad don't feel like it's your responsibility to look at everything um because your first responsibility is to yourself and to your own health and obviously to your neighbor but if you're not your best self you cannot help those around you mm -hmm. um so I definitely encourage curating your spaces in a way that is not going to lead you to constantly be thinking of like the worst case scenario and like doom all the time. Um, and if that's you, if you're the one who's doing that, then maybe try option A, which Kat said, which is therapy if you can. <laughs> um, but there are other things that you can do, right? Like Kat, you were, you were, um, you were just showing me like your cool, uh, like art, stuff the oh yeah I, projects I've that you were doing arts and crafts a lot where I just like mm -hmm. I'll see like a piece of clothing that I think is really cool and of course if it's really expensive it's like $300 I, I always do like I could probably make that and I used to think that all the time but now I'm like well let me try and so I like try to see if I can like find the materials I need which is in itself an activity like mm -hmm. hunting down the right materials and and seeing how figuring out how it was made and like making it in a way that's like it won't fall apart the first time I wear it, which is also really important. But that's been really fun. Um, and obviously, I understand that is like a hobby that costs money. I'm not saying you need to do a hobby that costs money. There's a lot of things like learning how to draw. That's something I want to do, like learning how to like draw better because um, I used to be really into art. But I was also something you said, Clarabelle, really struck home with me. And this is going to be some real talk and and. Um, just so everyone knows, I am going to be talking about grief and death right now. So mm -hmm. if you need to fast forward, then I completely understand. We'll put in the show notes when the interview itself starts so you can fast forward past this part because we are talking about self-care. So if this is triggering, I totally understand. But as someone who lost both of my parents at an age where I shouldn't have had to lose them, I had to deal with a lot of grief. And there was when you deal with grief a lot of times, um, I know that a lot of people think like, when am I going to get past this? When am I going to feel normal again? When am I going to be happy the way I used to be happy before I had to deal with the death of a loved one? And the unfortunate answer that I found for myself is that you will never go back to feeling emotions the way you felt before going through this trauma because it's a trauma. And that is what we're all going through right now. We are all going through trauma and grief right now. And we're mourning like what we used to have. But... The thing that got me out on the other end was to realize that just because I will never feel things the way I used to feel them before doesn't mean I'm broken. And it doesn't yeah. mean that I like just because the way I'll feel joy will be different doesn't mean it's still not joy and valid and like all of those things. So it's it's less of like us waiting until things go back to the way it was before and more of us like persevering with the change that's happening in our lives because change is always happening in the world and change is always happening in our lives the thing that really sucks about right now is it all happened so quickly and so much of it was negative um all at once and so i think it's really important for us to realize because there's so many of those articles and those people on twitter saying like we'll never go back to life as we knew it and they're saying it implying like isn't that horrible it's over for us and it's like what no even if we never go back to life as it was before 2020 doesn't mean that the world is over right 
hundred percent. It just means that we've changed and uh, humans are very adaptable creatures. So like we will adapt to this change. We will. Yeah. And we will feel joy again and we will do yes. happy things again and everything like that. So like, you know, if you're really uh, dragged down by those comments of we'll never go back to the way the world was before, then your rea- then I hope your reaction is like, so the fuck what? We're going to move on. We're going to <laughs> this is the just the this is just the speech from Independence Day now. We're going to go <laughs> on. We're going to survive like we will declare in one voice that today is our independence day um but like that really helped me get through my grief um which lasted for years for me because it was like one you know loss after another um and I really didn't think I would ever get out of it and so what really did help me was to realize like even though I'm forever changed by what I experienced doesn't mean that I'm broken a hundred percent that's so true so one other thing that I've been doing during this whole thing is going on my stupid little walks. Um, <laughs> um, I go on walks, um, usually down like the same road. It feels familiar to me and it sort of like energizes me. It helps me a lot with my writing because I get a lot of thinking done on those walks. I get to be nosy and look at people's gardens and houses. That's always really fun. Sometimes I stop at the local market and get myself like a nice little, you know, juice or something. I don't know, like a treat. Um, But all those things are really helpful to me to like being active, doing something outside of the house. Um, If you had a sort of routine that was helping you in the thick of everything and you dropped it, maybe pick up something else that's like similar, like like knitting or or walking, like we said, or arts and crafts, anything like that, that might help you. It doesn't mean that we're going backwards. Mm -hmm. It just means that you found a new coping mechanism and it's something that you should maybe implement um, all the time, not just like sometimes, but I really do want like all our listeners to know we're going to get through this. We're going to get on the other side of it. It's going to be a new normal, but it's going to still be really great. I feel like we're going to come out of it with good things actually um and uh and we love you and we know that we're gonna all be okay and if you're having a hard time right now just you know be be kind to yourself and um and rest and drink water mm-hmm. for sure do all that stuff Definitely. it's important Super, super, super excited because I have one of my faves with us today. It's Ayanna Gray. Ayanna Gray is an author of speculative works and a lover of all things monsters, mythos, and hashtag melanin magic. Originally from Atlanta, she now lives in Little Rock, Arkansas, where she reads avidly, follows Formula One racing, and worries over her adopted baby, Black Rhino Apollo. Her highly anticipated young adult debut, Beasts of Prey, is coming out with Penguin Random House. Purr, 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 Ayana, welcome to Ride or Die! Um, hi! This is so fun! <laughs> it's so exciting to have you. Yeah, Thank I'm you. so super stoked to have you on. Ayana, a longtime listener of, of first the time show. caller yeah a long time listener first time caller a uh, friend of the pod <laughs> <Anna Gray. laughs> um so cat is this coming out 
after the Pizza day Fair? before the day before the day okay. before the book yeah okay. releases so we're recording about two weeks out from your debut and we talked a little bit about how you were feeling we're gonna get into all that um but first can you let us know how you got into writing how did this all happen for you tell us your origin story um, this is, I have to like make myself calm down because this is so fun. I'm just so excited. Um, <laughs> Don't calm down. Can just... I like, okay, wait, Clarabelle knows this. I've already told her, but I have to say, like, I have to start by saying this. Um, like I've been listening to Ride or Die for three years. Aww. And when I moved to Florida and had no friends and didn't know anybody, um, and Ride or Die came out on Fridays, Friday afternoons. Um, this was the podcast I listened to on my walk home, my like 20 block walk. Um, oh, from work my God, and, it, and then I would get super I'd get super inspired by the interviews and then, and then I'd spend the whole weekend writing so like oh. when I tell you this is like really emotional for me actually oh, um know. like I'm just really happy oh I'm tearing oh, up that's so sweet that makes me so happy like that's the reason why we have done write or die and like why we do mm-hmm. these episodes and why we've been around like to for those moments where like writers needed uh, like two friends with them. And <laughs> it's just so full circle that like you're now on like our last season and you're here with us. And I'm so happy we got to have you on. Um, yes. And that your amazing book is going to come out. I'm so excited. I literally am shedding tears right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying not I'm trying not to be emotional, but I'm just like, wow, this is, this is cool. Um, yeah, no, that's oh, really cool. Okay. Sorry. Thank Sorry. you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. That was very, very nice to know. Um, I, and to hear. I wish I was like being more professional right now than sitting in my pajamas in my apartment. No. <laughs> That's how we do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm wearing my, I'm not wearing, I, I have my Snuggie on, which is sort of ridiculous, but it's my favorite thing. So, um, okay, sorry. I have to actually answer your question. Um, uh, I am. I've been writing my entire, like, from as lo- for as long as I can remember, my entire life. Um, I loved books, and so I feel like that it was a pretty natural transition from reading them to trying to write them, emphasis on trying. And uh, growing up, I was like, it'd be really cool to be an author. And I think, um, sort of sadly, as I got older, I always loved writing, but I kind of, I felt like I was getting a more, um, like, reality sort of hit me and I was like okay I love writing but this is not a way to have a stable income and my parents who were pretty solid middle class they emphasized the importance of getting an education going to college and and basically being able to support myself as as a young woman and not having to rely on anyone and so um I had other interests besides writing and one of them was social justice and so in high school I was like I want to be a lawyer and specifically I would love to, I wanted to be either an immigration lawyer or a civil rights lawyer. And I loved this idea of being a champion for, for the underdog, for people who didn't have a voice. So I went to college with the idea that I would be a writer or not a writer, a lawyer. And I was writing on the, like the whole time I was writing on the side, but again, not with any real plan to become an author. Um, and then halfway through college, just through a series of different events, I became really disillusioned with the U.S. justice system because spoiler, it's super flawed. Um, and it turns out that the good guys don't always win and the bad guys don't always get what, you know, their, their justice. And I didn't want to be a part of that. No, no shade to, to people who are lawyers, but for me, I couldn't, I, I lost my, um, like my passion for it. So that put me in a really awkward position because I graduated and was like, now what? Like, I'm not going to law school. 
I had this degree or these two degrees that really were, I got them with the eye to become a lawyer. Um, so I was at home um, and sort of like, what do I do? And I went into the two, like my two comforts, reading and writing. And this was in 2015. So like a lot of really good books came out in 2015 in the YA space. Um, and I was reading them and inspired and kind of lost in those worlds. And that's what I started writing um, Beasts of Prey. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that story. I don't love what you went through with the justice system, but, you know, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> um, but uh, can you tell me some of the books that you were reading in 2015 that, like, sort of made you want to write and were inspiring you? The book that I remember, like, that I've always, like, that, you know how, um, you know how sort of books kind of define pieces of your life like that's mm -hmm. how you mark pieces of your life um so for me it was ember in the ashes by Sada to here that was like a book that i carried around with me everywhere like where it got battered i felt a little bad but it <laughs> went with me everywhere and i i had a crappy job at one point as a towel attendant at an uh, at the local athletic club where my job was literally picking up sweaty towels for rich people um and it was really it was a really humbling job um, but I remember like, so we would take these giant baskets of you sweaty towels to this industrial washing machine in the basement, not the basement, but you know, hidden away. And I would just be like on my break sitting, like totally absorbed reading Ember next to a stack, like a mountain of, of towels. Oh. And I, was like, I gotta get back to work. And I'm like, just one second. <laughs> um, so it was Ember. That was the book that I remember just being totally engrossed in. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, books, I, I definitely get that feeling of like a book defines a, a moment in your life for you, like a period of time for you. Um, and it like the visceral sense memory every time like you remember that yeah. moment with that book. Yeah, no, that's so that's so amazing. And that's like such a good series to be inspired by because oof, that series. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Saba doesn't realize maybe um, how many careers she's launched because there's so mm -hmm. many authors and I it's usually I've seen authors of color who mm -hmm. have been inspired by her and it's just such a testament to like her career and like her writing and Saba if you're listening we love you and we do um, and thank you because now we have Beast of Prey and yes. so so what was the what was the next step like so you, you started writing uh, your book and like was this in also in 2015 when you started writing or was this like a little bit down the line? This was May 2015, like a week after I graduated from college and I moved okay. back home and I still had the moving boxes in my bedroom and was like, what, what do I do? And I should say too, that um, in the previous year in 2014, actually two years ago, previous 2013, fall 2013, I had taken a class called political violence and it was this really like it was this really cool class because it was kind of like the secret history where only 10 people were allowed in the class. The professor handpicked us. We met Ooh. in the tower for three hours, um, like a three-hour seminar once a week. Um, and it was this class where we grappled with political violence and terrorism and evil and good. And so I took that class and was really impressed uh, by it. And then a few months after that in 2014, I studied abroad in Ghana. And it was my first time leaving the country as an African-American woman, you know, going to the African continent. It was a really um, emotional and, and really impacting trip. So those two things that happened, then, then, you know, May 2015 comes around. I'm at home. 
reading, not sure what to do. And so I started writing Beasts to Prey with all that in my head. Oh, wow. That's, That's incredible. So, it's so interesting, like where the like seed of a story begins and like how far it can travel to become like the lush like world that it does eventually become. Oh, I um. I was going to say, like, I really envy authors who, like, when you ask them, um, how do you come up with your story? And they have, like, a really specific moment. And I think about, like, I think about Lee Bardugo and mm-hmm. how she tells that story about. With, oh, the um, darkness. Yeah, the dark. <laughs> she was in a dark room and it came to her. And I'm like, that would never happen to me, but I'm so glad it happened to you. Because mm-hmm. um, with me, just... it tends to be pieces. Yeah. I feel like you should just make up a story. Who, who's going to know? <laughs> Well, I, I think like even with Lee's story like that idea like that moment like it made her come up with the idea of the fold but everything around it like the actual characters and the plot and everything I'm sure like that was in pieces yeah for sure just, but I, I think your story is is just as cool like it it harkens to like a moment in time for you and this like really cool experience you had in school yeah so. I think it I, I also think it's really cool yeah. um so what happens next? So you write the book and then you start querying it. What were your next steps? Oh, um, so, <laughs> and this is like, I'm laughing because I, if that, if I, that's technically true, but also really deceiving, um, because <laughs> it took me five years to write Beasts of Prey technically. Um, I started in May, 2015 and then like, and life happened. I was in my early twenties and I, was fine you know taking on my first job and then I quit that first job and then I studied not studied I went and lived abroad for a year just kind of impulsively and then I came back and so it took me five years and um let's see this will let's see 2018 I got another job in Florida I moved to a new state knew nobody and was just like really lonely actually so again it turned to the thing that I found comfort in my writing and I discovered the online writing community, specifically Twitter. And pretty quickly after discovering it, DB Pit happened, fall DB Pit happened. And I, I was seeing all these cool books and they were all like, it was people of color and people from this diverse back, these diverse backgrounds. And I was like, what is this? Um, <laughs> and found out what it was. I actually, um, I messaged Beth Phelan who created it um, and was like, when's the next one? <laughs> she, was, she told me is April. She's like, hey, it's April 2019. She was really gracious to tell me. And um, for the very, very, very first time in my whole life, I gave myself a deadline with my writing. And I was like, you have to have a story done. Like this thing you've been working on, you can't keep rewriting the first chapter. You have to finish it because if you don't finish it, you can't um, you can't be in DB Pit in the spring. And so I did NaNoWriMo and finished it for the first time and kept going. I found critique partners for the first time who read it and gave me honest feedback. And then April, 2019 comes around. I pitched um, Beasts of Prey in DB Pit and um, was kind of like, look, if I get three literary agents <laughs> that like it, I'm cool. Um, and ended up getting, you know, like a nice amount of agents who who were interested in it. And it's funny, this is another, this is funny how like, Sorry, I'm being really basic, but like there's a Taylor Swift song about it's called Invisible String where she's talking about how all these moments in her life connect. Mm -hmm. So 
that is when that's like that's the timeline of me and Clarabelle I feel like our friendship started on BB Pit Day <laughs> because because she, you retweeted my thing and I was like Clarabelle Ortega saw my tweet <laughs> and um <laughs> and I was so nervous about DV Pit that I took the day off work and um I w- I stayed at home all day watching um Co- Beachella so Beyonce's Coachella <laughs> performance and um Clarabelle like I think I told you you were like you retweeted it you were like this sounds super cool and you were like drink water and I was like oh I was like Clarabelle Ortega told me to drink water and um <laughs> then but I didn't drink water because I was so scared and so nervous. And I was, I'm not going to look at Twitter for three hours. I'm going to watch Beachella and not worry about it. And then one of my friends, um, who's another author, her name is Catherine Adele West. She messages me. She goes, girl, are you on Twitter? And I was like, no. And she's like, you better get on Twitter and start writing these agents' names down before you lose them because of the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm make, this is the whole story. Like, D.D. Pitt Day was a really big day. So that's why I'm like, <laughs> um and then I messaged Beth again because I got really scared (laughs) I was like I was like I'm scared to send the stuff out like everyone's saying I have to do it right now when Beth was like no you don't if and I say this because there are so many people who've asked me about this and I didn't know um Beth told me she said if an agent liked your pitch and liked the story and they were excited about it they will still be excited a month later like publishing is slow this is like a, a short wait for them. So, and ooh, and she, I think, I think she was like, you know, Kat, I know Kat Show, you, she's one of my clients. She's like, you know, she took some time to do her research. So Why is she? <laughs> my laziness is an example. <laughs> but it's, I say, I have, a, I have a weird memory for stuff like that. But I remember she, she said, you know, Kat Show. And I was like, okay, Kat Show, Kat Show has a book deal. Kat Show knows what she's doing. Okay. Um, and so I waited and I, I did my research and I tried to make sure it was polished and I waited exactly a month to send anything out. Um, and I, um, mess, I, my first query was to Pete Knapp and I sent it and six, exactly six minutes later, like I was calling my husband to tell him I've sent my first query and Pete was like, Hey, I want the full, um, oh which is really sweet. That's amazing. It was very sweet. And then um, I sent more and got rejections and pulls and rejections and people who were excited. Um, and then in the end, um, Pete Pete ended up reading and he, he offered. He actually offered, though, I, again, I really want to be totally honest. He offered but was like, I want to do some big work on this. So mm-hmm. I'm offering with the understanding that you and I are going to work together on this. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, so... My querying journey, relative, it was medium. Like it wasn't the shortest <laughs> ever, but it wasn't the longest ever. But I spent five years writing, so I'm like, I did my time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like once an agent does get their hands on your manuscript and and find the time to read it, because like an agent isn't just reading submissions; they're doing their job and representing their clients. Like the time, but the like actual time for like finishing reading the manuscript and being excited and reaching out to the author. That's not, that's not that long. It's more like finding the time to do it. So the, the things that make it so long, the querying journey for a lot of people isn't because the agent isn't excited about that project. 
um, which I think a lot of people do worry about. I think people worry like, oh, it's my friend like got responses in two weeks and it's been three months for me, which means that uh, my project must mean not be that interesting. And that is couldn't be the farthest thing from the truth. It's literally like they might not have even read the subject line of your email yet because they have so many submissions. Um, so it really is just a crapshoot. And a lot of it is timing and luck, honestly. <laughs> a lot of a lot of luck and, and seasons, like you said, like, you know, people like I know, I don't know this, but I suspect that um, Pete kind of takes August as his time. And he mm -hmm. tradition like he's post submissions in August. So if you send anything to him in late July, and he I hope he doesn't kill me for saying that. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like the people take vacation certain times of the year. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're like, okay, September is going to be my big month to do a bunch of reading before I put my clients books out like it just you never know how people operate it, it has most of the time it has nothing to do with you it's yeah. not actually that personal for sure a hundred percent and I really do hope that that's like if people take away just like one message from this conversation it would be like it really is not personal like publishing is just super subjective and there's so many variables and there's no standard which really sucks because so then we can't say like oh if it's been this long it definitely means this because there's literally no standard rubric for anything <laughs> yeah my one of my really good friends we were in the querying just together so I joined after but she queried for two years mm -hmm. the same story probably longer like she had more stamina than me and she was told there's not a market for your book we don't know how to sell this book, blah, blah, blah. Um, and now she has a book coming out this fall. And it's it's like getting lots of hype and love. And I'm, I'm just really happy specifically for her because she didn't give up. She was like, I know this is not true. I know there's a market for this story and I'm determined. Um, and she didn't give up. And You need that. Yeah, you, yes. you need a bit of that um, for sure. <laughs> um, and I will also say like, I don't think people should underestimate the courage that it takes to do a public pitch contest. I feel like they've become like very uh, normalized at this point, but it can be overwhelming both because like you're doing this, you're putting yourself out there in this very public way. You don't know how people are going to respond to it. Right. Um, so that's scary. And also there's pressure that comes with getting your agent publicly and doing everything on this public sphere because then people feel more invested in your career and they're sort of like watching what you do and like waiting for you to announce the book. Um, so that that is also something I feel like you should give yourself credit for because it seems like you were very nervous to do it, but you did mm -hmm. it and it turned out really well. So, um, so on to submissions. <laughs> Yeah, Everyone's so, favorite topic. I mean, I think it's, I think like, it's really good for us to talk about how long it took us to go on submission too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a big, big, in general, I'm a big fan of transparency because even, like, even today, I'm like, we, before I know we started, we talked about like author myths and this, like, they're, you, you hear something in your mind and, and you kind of fill in the gaps and make up your own myth for an author when in fact, like it's your imagination. And like, for example, sorry, I'm going off on a, another tangent, but like there was an author who I got to talk to recently and we were talking about the New York Times bestseller list. And she was saying, you know, I didn't hit and I didn't hit high until my third book. And I was like, what? 
because in my mind the entire time I thought that she debuted at number one and she was like no mm-hmm. but once you hit number one nobody remembers the before so mm-hmm. in my I, I literally built up a whole myth in my mind like wow that person instantly had instant success and that wasn't the case like if you if you hit if you call success number one I was like wow she she hit the the he, the biggest thing in my mind and she was like mm-hmm. no um but had she not told me I would have just gone on thinking that um but with submissions too I think being transparent talking about it and just trying to dispel as many myths around it as possible is super important especially for people of color yes definitely definitely so um you said that Pete when you had the call with him he like had a lot of Com- like notes about how he wanted to do a lot of editorial work with you um so how did how was that process like working on edits with an agent after you had one and your submissions pro- words and um, your submission process in general um yeah so one of the reasons like i really um really admired pete before i queried him is because he was known for being extremely editorial and when I spoke to his clients, which everybody should do before you sign an agent, ask to speak to clients who are at different stages in the process. Um, that's what was said across the board is he is almost like an editor in the way he works. So he wrote me an edit letter and it was a big edit letter and we worked together. And to be fair, I was getting married and I made this decision to uh, do Pitch Wars, um, which is a writing mentorship program all in the same fall. Um, <laughs> so it was a lot. And we, and then um, the year that was 2019, then 2020 comes around and uh, the panini happened. So, (laughs) um, so it was slow. Like we revised for very close to a year. Part Mm -hmm. of it was me. Part of it was what was happening in the world. But also I tend to do like big overhauls when I edit and when I revise. Um, And at one point I was like, Pete, this just seems like a really horrible time to go on sub. Like, I don't think anyone's going to want this story at all. And he called me up. It was, it was really another one of those moments where I sent him an email and I tried not to sound panicked. I just said, Pete, I've been reflecting and I think maybe we should. (laughs) And he called me like pretty immediately and he was like, Hey, you're going to be okay. I believe in you. I believe in this story and Mm -hmm. let's do it. Um, So we went out and, and he was like, if you can get it, me by this date we will go um so we went on submission in july which is funny because everybody says publishing is dead in july (laughs) or in summer so i was very nervous about it um but what i really respect about pete is that as pleasant and wonderful and kind as he can be because he's so nice um he's also like just a really brilliant strategist um Mm -hmm. and so he sent it out and we we got really lucky and we got to hear from people pretty quickly which is not normal, um, I think. Um, like, it, I had bought, you guys know cross-stitching? Yes. Like the, I literally had bought a cross-stitch set from Amazon um, <laughs> that I was like, I'm going to cross-stitch something while I'm on sub. And by the time I finish my cross-stitch, maybe I'll, I'll have something to show for it. And my cross-stitch hadn't even arrived. And it's like, okay, we have some interest. Um, and so... <laughs> Um, I was like, well, that's, I, I was like unreasonably sad. I was like, but Pete, I have a cross stitch set. And he was like, what? what? <laughs> You're like, I had um, a plan. <laughs> I, I did. Because I was like, okay, I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to find a healthy way to cope with this like inevitable anxiety. Um, so in total, we ended up being on sub for about three weeks. 
and we were planning to go to auction, which is just a situation where um, multiple publishers um, kind of buy for your book, which is nice. Um, and I was like, okay, this is happening. I was super excited because I thought an auction would be kind of cool. And then um, like very late at night, and when I say late, I mean like nine or 10 o'clock, <laughs> um, Penguin uh, did what's called a preempt where they made an offer um, to try to get to try to stop us from going to auction mm-hmm. uh, and so um, they did and Pete and I kind of got on the phone and talked about it and and we were like yes and and I'll say that in talking with Stacey, so Stacey Barney's my editor and I know Kat you've gotten to work with Stacey yes um, the reason I picked I picked Penguin um, and I told Stacey this is she was the one who made my made me feel safe Aww. um me and made my book feel safe like this if you trust me with your book I will take care of it and um that meant so much to me Stacy is a black editor and -hmm. when she was reading I felt like she understood the story at a level that I was just like you see me and you see this story for exactly what it is um and so that's why I I picked her and 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 now I'm a penguin (laughs) yay penguin authors woo um no I love that so much but it makes so much sense to me because that's why I love Stacey too and like she's a straight she's a straight shooter shooter she won't sugarcoat things she'll tell you the truth of like this is how publishing functions because she's been in publishing for like long enough to like understand like all the in and outs of it and she wants her authors to be prepared and to know what they're dealing with and to um, never be surprised by you know things so she's always like really willing to be like do you want to know like why I think this is happening do you want to know the reasons behind why publishing does this and my answer is always like yeah I always want to know so she'll like tell me the nitty-gritty which I super duper appreciate about about her um Gumiyoung has a secret. She's a gumiho, a shape-shifting nine-tailed fox that must hunt down men and devour their energy in order to live forever. No one in modern-day Seoul believes in the old tales anymore, which makes it the perfect place to hide and to hunt. But Myung's life is turned upside down when she saves the life of a human boy on Jihoon. And after Myung saves Jihoon's life, the two form a tenuous friendship that blooms into romance, setting them down a path that will soon force Myung to choose between her immortal life and Jihoon's. Wicked Fox and its companion novel Vicious Spirits finds inspiration in Korean mythology, culture, and K-dramas. Wicked Fox has been called a vibrant debut novel that employs Korean genre conventions for an utterly original take on the young adult fantasy by Entertainment Weekly and fresh and fast-paced by School Library Journal Review. Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits are out now from Penguin Random House wherever books are sold. What I did in her edit letter that I don't even know where I got this idea from, but I took her edit letter and... I, I color coded it because because I'm who I am. So everything that was like a problem, I highlighted in red, or not highlighted. I changed the text to red. Mm-hmm. Everything that was nice, I put in green, and everything that was just like something like a world building question that I was like, okay, this is a valid question. It's not good or bad. It's just a question. I put it in purple, and then I zoomed out of the document so I could just look at it, and I was like, you know, most of this text is green, <laughs> so it's <laughs> <this is> good. <laughs> Only oh, a few I love that. Pieces. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love spreadsheets and stuff. So that really speaks to me that you did that. <laughs> yeah, like I'm a visual person, and I'm like, you know, and that, it adds perspective because I'm like, this 
huge document she sent. It's mostly good things. And mm -hmm. I actually just talked to her yesterday because I had to turn in book two earlier this summer. Ooh. And she sent me notes for it. And then yesterday was our talk about it. Um, and it's so funny because I just, I think as authors, no matter what, we never like what we have. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't know how to, she's like, I don't know how, how to deal. She said, you authors. She's like, I don't know how to deal with you authors. So I'll, I'll tell you straight <laughs> up, this is good. And I'm like, no, no, it's crap. <laughs> Look at it. And she's like, I don't know how to fix I don't know how to tell you that you're a great writer. Um Aww. so that's a nice thing about the first like I feel like the further you go in the journey, it is there are more stressors, there's more pressure, but you're also less alone. Like you have people who are in your corner who can remind you because in twenty eighteen, um, back in my walking from home writer die days, um, <laughs> I didn't have anybody. I was just like I was just like, I hope this is this is okay because no one's reading it and I don't think anybody cares about it. Like, Aww. so that's the trade-off. That's so hard. It's so hard to uh, celebrate yourself when nobody else is in your corner. But mm -hmm. I feel like that's the most important time to sort of like develop that sense of like, I can do this, um, which is so difficult. <laughs> it's so difficult. Um, but I'm glad that you kept going. Stacy a teacher <laughs> before? She was, a, she was. She was a teacher before. Okay, that makes like a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that that adds up. I was like, that's that's. I'm getting teacher vibes for sure, for sure. <laughs> like, she, and she has that no nonsense. Like, I've dealt with kid with a lot of kids at a time. Oh, I know. Before. I met Stacy. Kind of <laughs> she she had no patience for me. <laughs> she had, she, I I love her. I, yeah, some great. authors really do need that too they need like mm. like I Beth is also a no nonsense type of person and I need an agent who's like no nonsense like oh 100% Ayana the way you talked about like Pete's really nice which he is he's such a nice guy but like he has a head for business and that's kind of like a great combination for an yeah. agent um, for um, sure it is like again I'm like Pete don't listen to this podcast um <laughs> It's really like it's not, it's not, it's yeah. not, it's uncanny. Like it's, um, it's really funny. I think it's, it's what it is. It's, it's really funny, um, to see Pete, how he pivots because he can, <laughs> that man can pivot. Like he can be the nicest, most charming. And I know I'm like with editors, I bet you he is so good at speaking with editors and getting them excited about his client's work because mm -hmm. Pete loves kid lit. Like he genuinely loves children's literature and loves to he's a reader and I can tell it, it's infectious when he talks about books and mm -hmm. then I pivot and go straight business and I'm like whoa <laughs> it's so cool I really admire people who can who can be both because I feel like I'm just I'm just flailing around <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of like some of the the most successful and and best um kid agents are like that because Susie's like that Beth is like that Pete's like that like I think it's it's a great it's a great skill set to have. As someone who doesn't have that, I'm like always just a soft mush ball. I, I'm so bad at business. I'm like, oh, you're gonna give me five dollars? Okay. <laughs> That's why you need an agent. Yeah, yeah. I think it also definitely depends on the writer. I think mm -hmm. there are some writers who, like, I know I have friends who are like, no, I want someone who's like, just serious and like I don't want to be able to steamroll them mm -hmm. um, but I think that if you're like sensitive like the three of us seem to be <laughs> um, then you need an agent with that softer side which you know I always tell Kat I was afraid Susie wasn't like that at first because like Susie intimidated me like all of New Leaf really scared me but I was like so pleasantly surprised she's 
such a sweet person and Mm -hmm. she's so caring and nurturing um and she's really good at like managing my writerly anxiety for it (laughs) um so okay so ayana for people who don't know what beast of prey is all about can you give us a quick pitch yes um so beast of prey or i call it bop sometimes (laughs) bop is actually um it's okay it's a young adult fantasy and i also say it's pan-african inspired fantasy and it's about two black teenagers. One, her name, one is named Kofi, and she is a beast keeper indentured at a magical zoo. And the other is Ekon, and he is an aspiring warrior who is literally like on the cusp of becoming a warrior and kind of joining this family legacy. And one night, um, through a series of unexpected events, their paths cross. Um, and what ends up happening is they end up having to work together very reluctantly to enter the magical jungle that borders their city. And they have to find the monster that has been terrorizing their city for nearly a century. And of course, as soon as they step into the jungle, adventure ensues. Nice. Love it. Absolutely love Uh, it. I love the idea of a magical beast keeper. Like, there's, it seems so whimsical, but like also kind of terrifying at the same time. So that's so cool. Pure wish, pure wish fulfillment on my end, (laughs) even though I don't. I don't want to be an indentured beekeeper. I just want to say I work at a zoo with lots of um, cool animals that preferably can't like bite me. It'd be nice if they were <laughs> if they were nice animals. These are not nice animals in the story, but oh, it's, no. it's a lot of issues on it. <laughs> That's so cool. I love it. It sounds so epic. Um, and so you know, obviously, we're recording this. It's a couple of weeks before debut is there like anything that has happened on your debut journey that surprised you and also what's like one thing that like you really enjoyed about the debut process so far one thing that surprised me and then one thing what the second part something that surprised me your favorite thing that's happened so far yeah um one thing that surprised me one thing that continues to surprise me um is how many people are involved in making a book like, oh, yeah. I feel like even right now, I keep meeting new people who work at Penguin, who have a very specific job at Penguin. And they're like, hi, and I, I'm being, I'm joking when I say this, but it's like, hi, Anna, I'm in charge of creating tweets. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, you have a whole, like, your whole job is this very specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have just interacted with so many people. And, and it truly takes, I mean, to use the old phrase, it takes a village. Yep. There is no author that is self-made. There, it's not possible. Um, because in traditional publishing, because there are so many people who put their hands on a single book. And it made me really anxious when I was trying to write, like, write acknowledgements, because I'm like, I cannot forget anybody. Um, and I'm just really grateful. And everyone's the enthusiasm and, and just how many people have read it. And it just it, it really kind of it humbles me. Um, so that was a cool surprise. Um, something that I've enjoyed, I've, I'm it's it's not happening a lot yet because technically the book isn't out, but it really means a lot to me when people who do not know me, who have no reason to say anything nice to me, reach out. Um, like, yeah. uh, like, like there was somebody today or yesterday who me- messaged me and they were like, hi, I've never seen an author with the name Ayana before. My name's Ayana. And I, <laughs> like I was, and it's, it's always weird because Ayana's not that common of a name. So it's always mm-hmm. like, I'm meeting another Ayana, but they were like, just seeing my name on a book like made me feel like I can write a book 
and they're, you know, so that was neat. And people who pick up on the little inside jokes and like the little lines that I think no one's going to notice. Um, that's really special. And it, it never stops delighting me when it happens. So, yeah. That's yeah, so cool. that's so cool. It's definitely, it's definitely super surreal when you realize like people are connecting with your writing that used to just be for you, you know? <laughs> Yeah, definitely every step is surreal in this industry, I, I feel. Not the edits. The edits are painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole part is just I, great, but but. I, I liked, okay, this is weird, but I I, I thought copy edits were kind of like final pass when everything's done and you're just looking for commas and misspellings and like little mm-hmm. things. But the book is formatted and you see how it's going to actually look. I was like this is cool. Like this is, this is it all coming. It went from like a Google doc, like something on my phone that I was typing on like late at night to this. And it's really pretty. And yeah. Yeah. I love past pages. I feel like they're so, they're so it's exciting because they like really make it look so professional. You're like, wait, I wrote this. I like seeing the layout, but I don't like doing it. You don't like doing the notes. Well, okay. (laughs) By that time, I'm just like, just put it on the shelf. I'm tired of this. Oh my gosh, Clarabelle. That's me. That's, that's Listen, true. there will be other people who can relate to that. I don't. I think that it's it's hard because it's like, I got to read it again. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, that that makes sense. Did you all, did either of you ever watch The Simpsons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Homer goes, don't. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the sound I make when I'm doing copy edits. Because they'll be like, hi, Ayana, on page 85, this character was standing. But we noticed that on page 87, they're sitting again. And yes. I'm like, that's, I'm just like, don't, how did I miss this? Like, yeah. it's such an obvious, glaring, like, ridiculous thing. and But they, they catch it. And I'm like, wow, y'all really just dragged me. That's why copy editors are the best. But they, like... I we cannot survive without copy editors but also copy editors job is to constantly make us feel like idiots yeah I always I always the thing that I'm the worst at is timelines they're like it's been three days not four and I'm like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bad at this I am too and like it's funny because I I know that when they're doing this they don't mean to drag me but yeah. then in my mind, they're still Ayana, I noticed that you used the word that you've used a clenched jaw 85 times. Maybe you mm-hmm. should consider changing it. And I'm like, did you just really drag me politely? Mm. For um, wow. <laughs> it's for real. Yeah. Because like, you're like, you went through and you counted all of them, which when you really step back and think about it, just means that they're really good at their job. But for some reason, it feels like a personal attack that they took all that time to count all of them. You're like... Why would you do that to me? <laughs> so, there, I mean, spoiler, there are a lot of animals and beasts of prey. And um, there's a thing <laughs> about black mambas, which is it's a snake. It's a real one of those poisonous snakes in the world. Mm-hmm. And the copy editor, I like made a note in the story. I'm like, a black mamba can kill a man in 12 minutes. And mm-hmm. my copy editor goes, hmm, I looked into this and you are, in fact, correct. I'm like, I, I know I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the crocodile hunter. I know. <laughs> I was proud of that. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! I love that. Yeah, you're like, ha! I got you this time. <laughs> Back to the dragging. Like that was my one thing, and then it was like, and on another note, you've used um, 
the characters holding their breath. Are they going to breathe throughout the story, Ayana? Like, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, gosh. Yeah. One of the notes yeah. I got from my most recent book was that I ten- I didn't realize I was doing it, but I started every chapter with what day of the week it was. I was like, it was Wednesday, blah, 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 blah. It was Friday, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, do you realize, do you know you're doing this? Did you do this on purpose? Like, just wondering. And I was like, no, I didn't do it on purpose. But thanks for pointing that out to me. <laughs> well, because copy editors, too, don't understand. I think the reason, like, you repeat, not you specifically, but the reason we all, like, repeat certain things is because we're reading, we're writing in sections. So you mm-hmm. might write something and then a few days later come back to it with a, like, even if it's in the middle of a chapter, like you might start the chapter and then two days later finish it, but you're in a different, like to you, it's not put together. These are like different writing sessions. Yeah. So you're starting like, okay, it's today's Wednesday and you're starting from there, but you're not like writing a whole book in one sitting. So you wouldn't catch that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but it's also why it's nice to have someone who reads the whole thing at once and is like, you tend to do this. <laughs> yes. It's super helpful. I actually really, really appreciate um, my copy editors. <laughs> For sure. And so you you just told us that you finished the f- second book. Congratulations. <laughs> or like you finished, it, it's a draft. It, it's a draft. It's very much <laughs> like, yo, I, I might even embarrass myself um, on a national podcast. <laughs> oh gosh, it national is, um, podcast. <laughs> national podcast because I was in Florida and y'all are not in Florida um, so it's national um but I the draft that I sent to Stacy was um it was rough and I told her I'm like Stacy this is gonna be rough and she's like that's okay send it to me mm-hmm. um but again I'm trying to be transparent because I'm not gonna pretend I, I have my stuff together like it book two is hard I technically have written it but I'm revising it because mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's done just yet hopefully I'll be done in December um but it's still going and it's, it is hard. What, so what was the biggest difference that you felt um, writing to what is technically your first book under contract? Because mm-hmm. the, obviously the first book was completely written and had gone through revisions before it was even bought. But mm-hmm. now book two is the first book you had to draft while under a contract deadline. How did that feel different for you? It was just, it was just massively more stressful. And the other difference is that so you're on con- you, you have a contract deadline that's legally like it's written into a legal document but also in my case um I was starting to do Beasts of Prey like promotion and and kind of going to some bookseller events and talking to people about book one so it's weird because and everyone writes differently but for me I have to get into the world I'm writing Mm -hmm. so to rip myself out of book two world to go backwards and talk about book one was a little bit sometimes disorienting Mm -hmm. um and then let's see, there was something else that made it hard. Oh, just being, because it's a trilogy, being bound to rules for the first time that I couldn't go back and change was very hard. So I'm like, oh, I really wish that I had made a room for this in book one, but I'm like, eh, too late. <laughs> oh, that is so true. That's so valid. And and I, I was given advice. I think Stacy is the one who told me that like I should start at least drafting book two before book I book one is through like all the editorial rounds in case I wanted to go back and change stuff. And I was like, wait, that's genius. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you never think about it, though, because we're, we, you don't we're, we're told never to write a book two before we have an agent and have a book deal. 
So that's not something you'd ever have thought of before. It's yeah, it's it's I tried. I tried to make sure everything was and sorry if you can hear Dolly, by the way, um, might I might have to pause because he suddenly is barking a lot. Oh. We love Dolly. We she lo- wants she we love she pets. has something to say. Yeah, she has an opinion. Can, can you all hear her? We yes. can, but it's totally fine. We're a pet friendly podcast. I'm really, I'm really scared that because Clarabelle knows she's, she's, she sort of bombed my unboxing and I was like, <laughs> roll with this. but I was like, Dolly. Um, sorry. I was just going to say, I tried really hard with, um, book one to make sure everything was, was locked in and, and pretty down pat. And there were still things like once I got deep into writing book two, where I was like, Oh, I wrote this. So I have to stick with it. Like I can't change it. And that's just a new, that's just a, new feeling that I'm dealing with. Okay. Sorry. She's still being a bit of no a brat. Worries. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Clarabel, you're going through that, right? Right now? Yeah, I'm I'm dealing with um with book two stuff and it's a little bit stressful, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> just doing my best just doing my best. You should, yeah. You're you're trying your hardest, you're doing your best. <laughs> yeah. Like what what else what else can I do? If something gets messed up, it'll be funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to think of it, actually. Yeah, what the hell? Like, I've been through... One good one good thing about this pandemic, I will say, is I'm very... I'm a lot more like, what are you going to do about it? You're, like, super chill. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... Like, we'll deal with it however we can. Like, yeah. there are worse things in this world. <laughs> Yeah, it has. There's it, the last year added a lot of perspective for me, and mm. I was like, you know, even if this isn't perfect, I'm just I'm grateful that this is what I get to do every day. Even if it's sometimes frustrating, or I'm I beat myself up. I'm like, this is still a really cool job. Yeah, yeah. It's super. It's super cool. It's super cool that we get to do this for our lives and for a living. And um, I'm I'm very grateful. And it it it, it, it does get hard for sometimes sure. for sure. And like. I think I think probably the hardest thing about it is people not realizing how difficult it can be and like sort of taking it as a hobby. I hate that. Like when people are like, oh, yeah, it's just like. But like, what's your what's your other job? Like, what do you really do? And I'm like, I don't have time to breathe. I've got a book idea for you. If you want to go write a book. <laughs> oh, the- don't get me started on that one. That's always the one. That's always the one. I I had a I I um there was a an an event a thing not an event like a like a party like socializing that I did like for the first time and like someone was like oh Clarabel's an author and they're like oh really I um I I've been looking for someone to write my life story <laughs> and I was like please you're being a cliche please oh my gosh say this to me especially me who was on literally seven deadlines in the month of august for someone to say that to me i was like i want to not i want to not be here right now please oh, that's awful like, the idea, when people <laughs> are like to prove them wrong oh go ahead sorry oh no no, no, no. I, I was just gonna say like i hate when people say like i would love to write a book if only I had the time as if like we all didn't have like full-time jobs or like school or whatever while we were writing our first books and just finding the time mm-hmm. it's um oh and I forgot what I was gonna say oh just that see on the flip side though it's really fun when people are like 
oh, you write. That's nice. And then I'm like, and then it's like, I got to do my um my book cover reveal on Oprah Magazine. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, yes, I tried to tell you yeah. in writing. Um, and so those like little flex moments <laughs> are really fun. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't realize like it's a it yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> so I can say it now because I don't work there, but my old job, um, I was very much like on the low, I was I was not a I was an analyst and I didn't have a very big role. And when I was new, we had to do this weird introduction thing where the VP of the whole organization threw, he like passed around a microphone basically. Um, and was like, tell us your name and tell us what you do in your spare time. And I said, I, my name's Ayanna Gray and I, I love to write in my spare time. And I just, he was like, oh, that's nice. Like, it was this very patronizing, like, oh, that's, that's nice. You write novels. Okay. Next person. And I mean, I don't know that he ever saw it, but, um, but I left, I left my job and I was like, I'm off to write. And I was like, you can read about it here. <laughs> and insert, insert link to, uh, to Oprah Max. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, amazing. Those are super validating moments. Not that it, not that it had to be Oprah Magazine. It's like, I wasn't just sitting around this whole time. I was actually trying to make my dream come true. So, so there. That well, makes it a little better, though, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> well, Quibble and I were talking about this in the pre-chat of, like, um, like when something really, really good happens for you, like, yes, it doesn't happen for everyone, and you acknowledge that, and you're grateful and everything, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to, like, celebrate it and be proud of it and shout about it, because it's still fucking amazing, and you should be, like, and you're allowed to be super excited that your book cover was in freaking Oprah magazine. <laughs> It's, but you know what I found because like, I that's been another thing this in the last year, being a person of color and celebrating is weird because we're so conditioned to uh, to not oh, do that. Boy, <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm it is very. No, this is a topic. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is not easy. It is not easy, and there. It. Mm, what? What's your? Well, what's <laughs> your experience been with it? <laughs> Try not to go off <laughs> immediately. Um, I, I, um, what is it called? Like, I, I'm not good with, I mean, I'm not a math person or numbers person, but I have found myself sort of quantifying things saying, okay, Ayana, you've talked about yourself five times this week or just whatever. So you need to talk about other people 10 times. And, um, and I've written posts out where I've been like, I'm so happy about blah, blah, blah. And then I've erased it. Cause I've been like, nope, someone's going to read that. And it's going to be a problem. Um, oh. which I, I hate, I hate it. And find one time, um, like in the last month or so, Pete, um, called me and he was like, Hey, don't be afraid to sell, like to promote yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're, he's like, you're really generous. I see you. I see you out there. You're trying to uplift people especially authors of color like you are massively supportive of everyone and I really appreciate that about you but also don't be afraid to talk about yourself you wrote this book it's coming out soon you want people to to buy it and you don't be afraid of that um because in my bubble I'm like oh my gosh I talk about myself way too much and he's like no you don't you talk about other people um and you uplift a lot of people give yourself some roses was kind of his thing and I was like oh I guess is that a thing? Do I do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> One of my favorite things that Clarabelle tells people is that for you, because you're the one 
you know, seeing your own feed all the time and, and controlling it, that it seems like you're talking a lot to yourself about yourself. But there's a there's people who like don't see it, even though you've posted it 10 times. And they'll be like, wait, you have a book coming out? And they only notice it the 11th time that you've posted it. So it is kind of like a thing where you do have to talk about yourself a lot because, you know, people aren't always just paying attention to you all the time. Yep. That's 100% true. And also, like, when when you're celebrating, you're celebrating and you're promoting for people who are going to be your readers and for people who support you like if there's authors getting annoyed about what you're posting that's okay they can mute you like Mm -hmm. like we we're not there for one another we're there for like to build a platform of like actual people who are going to like be our community and try to lift us up I think people are so incredibly hard on women of color especially especially black women especially um when it comes to like everything when it comes to celebrating when it comes to it's 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 almost like there's nothing we can do that won't get criticized Mm -hmm. um and that's really frustrating because on the one hand you have the community saying yeah we need more authors of color we need more you know this we need more that but then when they have it it's like oh i don't like this yeah exactly and it sort of reminds me of how like people will rally behind like a music artist and then when they make it it's like they do Mm. anything they can to like tear them down and I feel like that happens a lot in publishing and I feel like it happens especially to uh women Women of color color more so than anybody else um Mm -hmm. so I get the fear of success in that sense and like the fear of like I don't want to talk too much about myself because I don't want to be annoying I think that's like a fear of like people hating on you right um that's like where it stems from and it's unfortunate that we have to even feel that but it is you are not alone like many of us feel that way and it's it sucks but like community like do better if you're listening to this like investigate how you're treating successful writers and successful women of color and successful black women and like if you are having the instinct to sort of like tear people down once they have gotten to a certain level stop it right now stop that (laughs) stop it it. I'm convinced that if you put that energy, instead of being mad, put that energy into like, okay, that like, let that inspire you. You'll get mm. there. You'll, you'll get oh, to where yes. you want to go. And, and also um, probably be happier and healthier for it. Um, yep. And then, and then, you know, you never know, like one day, one day, those people, those authors who you're like, oh, wow, like you can meet them and, and befriend them and have them as a community if you, if you aren't being spiteful and and angry because that people sense that too you know yeah for sure put your energy out there my approach has always been if somebody is succeeding in a way that I admire to try to learn from them however I can um not necessarily to be like let's be best friends because I feel like that's like a little bit predatory but like what are they doing and like how can I learn from from their from like how they're doing promo or how they're writing their books like I try to sort of learn from the people who I admire because it's admiration at the end of the day, whether or not that's what you're calling it. Um, And, and I think that's like a way healthier approach. It's a great way to think about it because then it's productive. Yes. Making a good thing out of like a thing that could 
go left like really really easily Mm -hmm. um if you're not careful and also if you're not calling it what it is right because a lot of times you try to justify those like icky feelings of jealousy with like other stuff yeah um and naming it like anything but what it is Mm -hmm. but if you if you call it what it is then you can identify it you can say okay what's the next step from here like let let me make something good out of this um but i'm sorry that you even have to feel like that but it um it comes and goes, you know, like there are moments when I'm like, you know what, I'm just happy. And hopefully people can tell because I'm just, I'm just going to be happy over here. And some days I, I think I just overthink it. Yeah. And that's, that's what you can do. You got to just enjoy, you have to, you can't focus too much on those moments. You have to enjoy the wonderful things that you're accomplishing, like all the great things that are happening. It's normal to let those thoughts creep into your head. But when you do, just text me and I'll yell at you to stop <laughs> it. <laughs> you know that I will. Really yelling at, at people. Yes, in the in the in the most loving way. I, I appreciate yeah, <laughs> for sure. So everyone who's on Ride or Die tells us their most embarrassing publishing related story or something they wish they'd known before they started. You could do either, or you could do both. It's up to you. So most embarrassing or something I wish I'd known. Yep. Yeah. There's more or both. Options. Or both. Um, 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 let's see. I feel like I embarrass myself in front of Pete quite often. But as I try to think about, I think, you know what? And it's not a, like a, I think that I try, because I do a lot of reading and I talk to author friends and I try to learn terms. And then I'll like talk to Pete and I'll throw out a term and he's like, I think you mean this. And I'm like, oh, so that's always <laughs> super fun. Um, like I didn't really understand what an option clause was and I used it wrong one time when I was talking to him and, um, he was like, he was very kind, but he's like, I don't think you're, I don't think you're saying what you think you're saying. (laughs) 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 He's he's always super gracious about it. I'm trying to think of like a time I publicly embarrassed myself. One time I did an author, like a bookseller event and, um, my selfie light died in the middle of me talking. So I just, (laughs) I just went dark. Oh no. And I'm. I was like, hello, hello. And everyone's just like, is she all right? <laughs> Dark, the lights are gone. I really like that. Just, hello? <laughs> um, I've gotten really, um, I've gotten lucky. We we did, um, so ABA did an event, a bookseller event, and we did a virtual reception. And I think I told Claire Bell about it because I was like, I'm in a virtual reception and I'm standing by my virtual table with a virtual drink in my hand. No one's come to say hello yet. <laughs> He's very anxious. But then then people came and talked to me, but it was so funny because they give you like this software. You it's like it looks like Sims. Like you literally have a virtual little like wine glass. (laughs) I thought it was really cool. Oh my god, that's so that's a lot. Like they give you a little virtual drink. Yes, and virtual donuts. And um, (laughs) it's your it's your face. So it's it's like the camera, it's really your face there. Um, and you're moving all around this reception room and you can click around and move and you have a little circle that's your sphere like and if somebody's in your sphere of influence you can talk to them like you're as if you're skyping them like talk video to video and Mm -hmm. if they leave your circle then you can't talk to them anymore um and so like moments like that I'm always like I don't know what I'm doing um like those were all like I embarrass myself a lot um but I try to laugh at myself so it's okay like I'm like if you don't if you learn to laugh at yourself you'll always be amused um yeah it doesn't matter 
Yeah. Um, and then the thing I wish I'd known that I kind of, I think we talked about it before. It was just um, that it's okay. And I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be depressing. I think it's okay not to be happy a hundred percent of the time. And that's normal. And it doesn't mean you're ungrateful. It doesn't mean that you're like failing in any way. It, it's normal. Like just there are going to be highs and lows with anything. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to lean on people and mm-hmm. say, look, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Like I need to just talk to somebody. I need to be mad. I need to be sad. I need to be ecstatic because I can't tell anybody this news yet. And it's killing me. Um, any, any emotion you feel throughout this entire journey is valid and find people that make you feel valid and anybody who doesn't make you feel valid um it's not you it's them and you should remove them from your life <laughs> yes That's snap advice. my fingers to that i love that remove them away be gone demon <laughs> <laughs> so i love that so much yeah and that's honestly great. like in this in this community like it's such it's a business but it's such a social business that we get caught up in the idea that we have to be friends with everybody but you don't like you are allowed to cultivate your space it's fine (laughs) yeah it's it I totally agree and I think that a lot of times the perception of friendship is like it really throws things off like people will be like oh yeah you're friends with that person it's like a couple of interactions online does not a friend make like you have to like actually talk to somebody like you know really be their friend um to be their friend (laughs) not just like oh yeah this person's my friend this person's my friend and then you feel like you owe them something or Mm -hmm. like you have to please everyone around you like it's it's better to have like a small circle of people who are truly your friends who like know your mom and dad's name who like know like you know where you grew up like all these things you know because it makes a difference to have people who truly care about you rather rather than like people who are just like around like for like the ride I guess you know yeah um but I totally love all of that advice Ayana yeah okay so Ayana we had so much fun having you on the podcast uh your journey is super inspiring so we really hope that our listeners get a lot of inspiration from what you've been through uh do you mind telling everyone where they can find you on the internet yeah. And also thank you guys for having me. Like I said, it's like, I feel very cheesy, but it's genuinely like one of my author bucket list dreams coming true. Um, so just thank you for, for letting me hang out with you guys. And um, yeah, of course. <laughs> we're so happy to have you. My cheeks hurt. Cause I've just been smiling this whole oh, time. Yay! Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am. I'm on the internet and I am on Twitter. So at Ayana Gray, A-Y-A-N-A-G-R-A-Y. I'm on Instagram at Ayana Gray with an underscore because somebody chose violence and took my my um, handle. So I can't be at Ayana Gray. Um, so there's a little underscore after it on Instagram. And I'm also on TikTok, but very reluctantly so. <laughs> so if you want to see me make a fool of myself often, that is the place to see that. I'm shocked because your TikTok yeah. is so good. It is so good, right? It's really good. Yeah. So I'm like, I, it's I, just uh, surprising I'm that this, I'm speechless. I, I would have um, thought that like, this was like your fun place because you do such a great, great job at it. It's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> because I'm a perfectionist. So I'm always like, it's not good enough. It's not perfect. Whereas TikTok's Aww. really not about being perfect. It's about having yeah. fun. 
but I'm like, what if I look ridiculous? And like, people like, that's the point, Ayana. You should still do it. So. You'd never do though. You look so adorable. Yeah, you I look love adorable. the I love the dancing ones especially because yes. yes. you're tall. You're tall, right? I feel like you're tall. I'm very, I'm very tall. I'm five nine with good posture. Oh my god! Wow. When we meet, it's gonna be so funny because I am small. <laughs> yeah, I am so. I'm five four. So our pictures are gonna oh be hilarious. I cannot wait for this. I, I, I always I'm gonna look up my height. See, like in my mind, everybody is my height. And then I'm like, I'm the same and way. And then that happens. I'll meet somebody in real life and they're like, one of my friends is 5'1". And I'm like, oh, hello. We're down there. Oh, weather, this is going to be great. I'm, rainy. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm going to look up uh, how to take pictures with your tall friend videos on TikTok just so that we can have some poses ready. Carry around a milk crate everywhere you go. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, sit down. You sit down. Um, I'm so excited so, to meet you guys both. Some, yeah, someday. it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, so everybody go pick up your 20 prerequisite copies of Beast of Prey. It comes out tomorrow as of this uh, this episode dropping. So best of luck, Ayana. We're rooting for you. So excited for everything that's to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And hope I get to see you guys soon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabel A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word.